That's the original. <laughs> that would be but, a no. But I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, just yeah. eat it. We feel a lot about ourselves and what we eat. And we have for many years. Ellen Bierger's going to look at uh, 45 years of our favorite foods. Show us just how much uh, the U.S. diet has changed over time. Alan joins us right now. He's a Bloomberg News uh, uh, agricultural reporter. And, uh, talk to me about this, uh, this story, Alan. So... The United States Department of Agriculture uh, tracks food availability, which is a proxy for consumption. It's basically how much food every year in America was there of every variety for people to eat. And they have this data going back to 1970. So uh, working with our crack data visualization team, we put together sort of a look an impressionistic look, really, going off of the hard data about how the American diet has changed. It's called, if you are what you eat, America tastes like chicken. <laughs> and the reason for that, that is, you know, Weird Al in his breakthrough song there from the 80s really uh, was onto a trend. If you take a look at the most popular meat that Americans consume, between chicken and beef, it's almost like the letter X, um, where peak beef was reached in the 1970s, whereas chicken consumption is still going up. They crossed in the early early 1990s, and there are a lot of reasons for that that we go into in the piece, and happy to tell you more. What, what do you want to know? Well, so what else has changed over the years in terms of our eating habits? I mean, I know I eat a lot more avocado than I used to. Well, that's one part of it. You know, food supply chains have become a lot more efficient and a lot more diverse than they had been since 1970. If you went to the fresh produce section of a supermarket in the 1970s, you wouldn't see all of the tropical fruits and all of the selection. And, and part of that is because we've just gotten a lot better at getting fresh produce onto grocery store aisles quickly from very exotic parts of the world. And so you've seen a lot of increase in mangoes and limes and avocados. It's added a lot to the diversity of diets and also a lot more to the freshness of diets. If you take a look at Americans in 1970, they ate a lot more canned goods than they do now. Um, in 1970, the average American ate seven pounds of canned pineapples a year. By 2015, that was the same amount of pineapple, except it was fresh, not canned. That's because of varieties and supply changes and, and more efficient food sourcing. Um, it's yeah. The, the can, my, when I was a kid, Carol, I don't know if you know this. My father worked at a company called Michigan Fruit Canners. You talk, yeah, we've talked about and this. just the existence of that company in itself <laughs> is offensive to me. And it, but it, I, I, you know, it was it was at the time. It was food is about uh, the food industry was it seemed to be about consistency, reliability, and you know the, these were people. Some people would still survive the depression who weren't like, uh, accustomed to such things. And, and, uh, well, it was possible. considered also really kind of you know, these great modern conveniences, whether it was canned or frozen, right. like right. there was a period where we thought, hey, isn't this great, science at work. And, well, and the, the political implications too, right, of, of, of allowing like homemakers to get out in the world and not have to spend all day cooking and, and farming and so on. You're making excellent points about the evolution of the food system. You know, people take a look at um, some of the salt in foods and some of the obesity rates and they ask, how did we get here? Well, part of why we got here was because there were different problems perceived in different times and these canned goods, they solved a lot of issues in terms of preserving food, avoiding spoilage, in terms of making sure that we didn't waste food, in terms of making sure that food was safe. Now, we've learned a lot of things since then nutritionally, and that is reflective in, in the diets. And by the way, it's important to note that according to the U.S. Dietary Guidelines, even if we've been switching from canned to fresh, we're still not eating enough fruits and vegetables, regardless of the source. You'd be better off eating more out of it in cans if, it's, if, that's, what got you enough if that's what got you enough fruits and vegetables, go for it. 
Although, Alan, we know what's really great about Bloomberg. I mean, we have a whole food court, and there's tons of fruits and vegetables. Yes, there are, and there's basis. a lot of snacks, too, and it would be fascinating <laughs> to track the relative consumption. <laughs> what do you think gets consumed more, the M&Ms or the carrots? Now, we don't really go into, into that specifically, but, you know, we do no, look— Bloomberg. <laughs> we do look at one thing that is a real guilty pleasure for a lot of folks, which is coffee. And this, to me, was some of the most fascinating data that we had. Um, you would think that we are drinking more coffee than ever, right? We're, we're a caffeinated society. There's Starbucks on every corner. But actually, coffee consumption probably peaked before this data set even started in the 1960s. And the mm -hmm. reason for that are changes in how we consume coffee. Um, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of people were drinking their coffee at home. They would put it in their pot. They would drink it throughout the day. And at the end of the day, they would throw it out. Uh, the kitchen sink was a big consumer of coffee. But now we are going to out, out. We're going to our Starbucks. We're having our single-serve Keurig things of coffee. Kitchen sink doesn't drink as much. And because of that, per capita coffee has never reached those heights that they had 40 years ago. What so, about things like ice cream? Yeah. Well, there are some. There is some consistency in the data. Um, uh, people eat about as much ice cream now as they did in the 1970s. Butter, wheat flour, a lot of your staple foods really haven't changed that much. Um, we actually, on this chart, have a list of, of things that have had peaks and valleys. Um, one of the big peaks was high fructose corn syrup. Um, people talk mm. about the prevalence of it in diets. It actually peaked in the late 1990s, but there was this huge jump in the 1970s and 80s, while sugar was relatively more expensive, took them for a while to, to sort of catch their breath and become a more consistent competitor to HFCS. Um, and since then, you've actually seen a slow decline in that in diets. So is there, you know, when we talk about diabetes and, and obesity and, and, the, and the epidemics in, in this country of, of both, is there hope in this report the trends are going in the right direction? You know, it seems like people are getting some sort of a message of what sorts of foods may be better to eat. You know, fresh food tends to have more nutrients overall, even though, you know, canned and frozen foods can also be very nutritious depending on when you catch them in the process. Um, people seem to be trying to go for leaner right. cuts of meat. The issue is, is we just have so much food and it's so inexpensive, people are still eating a lot of it and not necessarily in the right proportions. Yeah, interesting stuff. Alan, thank you. Alan Bierga, he is agriculture reporter at Bloomberg News from our Bloomberg 901 studio in Washington. Corey, we didn't get a lot of time to talk about this, but I did want to mention that I was uh, live at the Bloomberg Global Business Forum at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. Fascinating conversations with global leaders, business leaders, uh, talking about kind of the new multilateral economic order and to solve some of the challenges that are yeah. out there. So there's lots of great videos, and everyone, go to Bloomberg.com, check them out. Out, uh, to listen to them because there's some fascinating, fascinating conversations. And I'm going to have a bunch of that on Bloomberg TV uh, coming up right at the top of the hour on Bloomberg Technologies. I'll be hosting that tonight. We'll have a lot of those clips from that conference. All right. Great stuff. Carol Masser, Corey Johnson, and we are Bloomberg Radio.